2: Hey guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Get sent a heap of DMs every day about a heap of random topics from history of rugby league, super coach, current squads, goal kickers, everything, you know. And quite often, uh, I take those and I turn them into podcasts, make them a bigger subject. But uh, one that I got an interesting one last night... And this one comes from Jake Aaron. So thank you for your message, mate. We had a good chat last night. Um, He said to me, Would you say Cleary's in the top five halfbacks of all time? If not, who are your top five? Not counting uh, guys like JT since he was mostly a 5'8". Now, uh, had me thinking, and no, I wouldn't have Cleary in my top five ever. I think that uh, that'd be a pretty bold and um, uh, probably outrageous call to put Cleary in your top five. Do I think that... By the end of his career, he could be in the top five. I definitely think he could be. I definitely think he could feature in the top three, to be perfectly honest with you. And, uh, I mean, if his career goes as best as it possibly can, um, I mean, I think he could push for number one. I don't think he'll be able to uh, take over Joey. But, I mean, it's not impossible. Um, And I know people get really upset by that. But, I mean, I have a look at the career of Cooper Cronk. You know, in the last what, four years of his career, he won three premierships, you know. If Nathan Cleary wins, you know, one or two more and then finishes in that sort of fashion, I mean, all of a sudden you're looking at five, six prems, you know, and this kid who's come second in the Dally Ms two years in a row, he's destined to get more of those. I just, you know, I was having a look at Andrew Johns's when we had a look at David Middleton's stats the other day and I spoke about it on the podcast and I saw it floating on Instagram a little bit. I mean, Andrew Johns was in the top five players of a season, I think it was six times. Uh, Nathan Cleary's already done it twice. And I mean, he's 24. He's potentially got 12 years to go still in his career. You know, I would assume at least 10 years to go. I'm assuming that he's always going to be in a good team out there at the Penrith Panthers. So, I mean, I, I just think... The, the ceiling on Nathan Cleary is incredible, and I think he can push into the top five ever. If I had to put my money on whether he does or not, i got to tell you, I probably think he does. Just at the rate that he's going at the moment, the age he's at, the experience that he's had, the sort of temperament that he's had at the age he's at, I, I honestly do think that he can. But I think it would be a crazy call based on the first five or six years to say he's in the top five halfbacks ever. I think it's fair to say that he's got the potential and he's got a really good chance to finish in the top five halfbacks of all time. But I can't put him in the top five right now. And it got me thinking, who are my top five? Yeah, and I'm not going to do this in any particular order, but... Because I, I think the whole ranking thing is is a little bit backwards. People always message me and say, hey, can you do a ranking 1 to 30, 1 to 21 to 10? I, I don't really like doing rankings like that. Uh, I, I just don't think you, you can ever get it right. And it's just arguments for argument's sake. It just creates negativity. So I thought I'd go through uh, my top five halfbacks. Ever, and this might actually be a, uh, a decent little idea for a little series to go position by position. But, um, you know, obviously the first one, is Joey Johns. Uh, Premiership in 97, Premiership in 2001, I think three Dalian medals. Uh, As I always say on the podcast, it's scary to think about what Joey could have achieved if it wasn't for injury. Uh, I mean, the guy was struck down around 30, 31 and... Sorry, uh, 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 around 29, 30. And this is where, you know, you look at Brad Fittler, for example. He came back from at the age of 29 in, in the year 2000 and he went to four out of five grand finals. I mean like, what Joey could have done. And, I mean, I, I think the example is 2005 when he came back and played 16 games. or well, 16 games of NRL, 18 games including State of Origin. He was the best on field in both Origin matches. And in those 16 games, I think he collected 34 Daly M points in a team that finished last. So, And that was in 2005. You think about all the injuries that Joey had in the lead-up to that. I think that if Joey would have played throughout his early 30s. Um, you know, I, I I do think that if Joey would have played that entire time, in my mind, he would jump Cameron Smith. I know a lot of people already have him on top of Cameron Smith, and I'm not arguing with that, but I have got Cameron Smith on top of him just because the reality of how their career's played out. Some would say that's unfair, but, I mean, it, it is what it is realistically. Um, but, yeah, if Joey would have played full seasons for the last four or five years of his career. I mean, it's unbelievable to think about what he could have achieved and what he could have done in our game. It's already impressive. It's already immortal worthy. It's already, you know, goat worthy as well. As I said, I've got Cam Smith, but I won't argue with anyone that says Joey. Probably anyone outside of Joey, I will argue with it a little bit. Uh, But Joey or Cam Smith, I can't argue with. But if Joey would have played those last few years... Honestly, it, it terrifies me to think about what he could have achieved and how different Rugby League would be, how different Newcastle would be. I think they probably could have won a premiership in that time, to be perfectly honest with you, if Joey was playing because he was just so dominant, just so dominant. And what he did in 15 was coming off an ACL, a broken jaw with minimal to no match fitness in a team coming last. Like, yeah, it's crazy to think about it. Joey has to be one of them. He, If I had to rank, he would be number one for me. I don't think there's... Any real questions there? Uh, the next guy I'd probably go is Peter Sterling. Sterling obviously a little bit before my time, but everyone that I talk to uh, that I trust their rugby league opinion that was that was alive and watching rugby league in the 80s, early 90s. I mean, the rap that they have on Sterlow is just unbelievable. And for me, when I look back at those old tapes, and, you know, the rugby league is very different then to what it is now, but he just looks like a guy that... He looks like the first guy to me that knew what was going to happen on fourth tackle when he got the ball on first you know he just could see a set and how it was going to play out obviously very very successful in the NRL what he win? I think it was four premierships uh went three in a row with Parramatta and then won 86 as well off the top of my head and Sturlo, um you know on grand final day it was always sort of Brett Kenny that, that really stood up but there's you know, seasons there where Kenny, uh, where, where Sterling is just untouchable. And, you know, his kicking game with those old footballs was unbelievable. Just such a smart footballer. So I think I'd have to have Peter Sterling in there. He's another guy that I think if he was announced as an immortal tomorrow, personally, I wouldn't be shocked in the slightest. I think he does deserve it. Um, but I think there's a, a, about 10 or 15 guys that do deserve it. You can't give it to everyone. So I do kind of wonder if Sterling's time hasn't already come for immortality if it will realistically. Um, it's a really tough one with Sterling. A bit of awkward timing and, you know, he obviously had Brett Kenny next to him who was a champion who achieved so much. So, yeah, it's it sort of becomes really tough with those two. But Sterling would definitely be in my top five halfbacks ever, without a doubt. I think he's one of the smartest rugby league brains we've ever seen. I love hearing him talk nowadays when he talks rugby league. He's still got it. He's still got one of the best minds in our game. So, Sterlo, he's in my top five without a doubt. My um, next one, I'd probably go Alan Langer. Uh, what he did for the Brisbane Broncos uh, was just incredible at the size he did it at, what he did in Origin for the Kangaroos, everything. I just, I love the way that this guy went about his footy and. You know, He's a guy that I, I think that if he was from New South Wales, we would probably hold him in higher regard. I think that old Queensland saying is probably fair, to be honest with you, especially when you consider the time that he was playing. Uh, smallest guy on every single field uh, he stepped on. His short kicking game was unbelievable. But just the creativity... Um, and just how smart he was. Like, even on and off the field, like, you hear all these stories about the way that Alf used to G's forwards up during the week just by making up little porkies here and there. And, you know, he was the best guy on the drink after the game as well. A lot of things that go into being a really good halfback and being a good leader. And he was a guy that people wanted to follow. Uh, you've probably seen on my Instagram page, I've been uploading these videos of Alf and Brad Fittler uh, when they were getting around in the south of France. I think it was on the 1994 tour. And you can just see. You just see the amount of cards that Alan Langer holds. That like, like Brad Fittler, who I think was the Australian captain, or not far away from being the Australian captain at that point. Like, just looks at Alf in awe. You know, he's just, just something else, Alan Langer, and he'd be the life of the party on and off the field. And that's how a lot of good halfbacks need to be because you need guys. To follow you, you need to you need to be the life of that party. And now Alan Langer always was, and on the field he was always the guy that every single team he was in turned to. He'd always come up with something—the little kicking game, the old um, the tackling technique that he used to do. I forget what they call it—is it the Cumberland throw? I think it's called, where he puts his—you know—he he would stand face on, and they they'd run at his left shoulder, and he'd, he'd almost turn his back and put his right leg um, over his left leg, which was in front of them, and then swing them over the top like just just unbelievable how tough this guy was, how skillful he was. Absolutely loved everything about Alf. Uh, one of the greatest Queenslanders we've ever seen. I, I think he's criminally underrated as far as rugby league goes, to be honest with you. So, so far we've got Joey, Sterlo, Alf. I've got two more spots to fit into my top five halfbacks ever. Uh, this one will be no shock to you guys or anyone that's listened to the podcast will be on the page. I have to have Cooper Cronk in there. Um, probably, probably the least gifted out of the five guys I've got here, but... Winning is a habit, and Kronk just did a lot of winning. And, you know, there's a lot of people that say to me, oh, he wouldn't have done it in a shit team. But I just think that is the stupidest argument imaginable, to be perfectly honest with you, because the reality is good players don't end up in shit teams, yeah? What you'll tend to notice is that really good players are in really good teams, and those really good teams are really good because of really good players that are in it. Yes, he went to the Roosters, but if you're Cooper Cronk, why, and you were going to leave Melbourne, where else would you rather go? Where else would you rather go than the roosters. I just, I can't even fathom that argument. If you leave your job and you've got two job offers and one is in a really good environment that you're going to be successful in, and the other one is in a shithouse environment where you more than likely won't be successful, you're telling me that you're going to take the challenge and go to the one that is is essentially promising that you're going to be unsuccessful and leave successful end of your career on the table. I mean, I just think it's the stupidest argument imaginable. I think it's just an argument where people try and bring a guy like Kronk down because he wasn't the chip over the top, the step through, you know, five players sort of halfback like a Joey was, a Sturlo an Alf, these sort of guys. But the thing with Cooper is that he always won. And, yes, he always had good players around him. That's fine but you can't tell me that the halfback doesn't have an influence on how guys go yeah he he lifted every single person around him in every single team that he ever played in i mean all you have to do is look at that state of origin series queensland win 8 in a row they're up 6-0 in game 1 of 2014 he gets injured he breaks his arm he doesn't return till game 3 queensland are behind on the scoreboard for every single moment After Cooper Cronk gets injured, he returns in game three. They win by 30-odd points. I mean, it's the one series they lost out of 12 years or 11 years or something, and it's the one moment that this guy that apparently is a system halfback isn't on the field. Still had Cameron Smith. Still had Billy Slater. Still had Greg Inglis. Still had Jonathan Thurston. I mean, please, can, can can we read the room? You can't undervalue how important Cooper Cronk was at the same time he arrives at Melbourne. I mean, we all sit here now and go, oh my God, Jerome Hughes, he arrived there as a fullback. Mate, Cooper Cronk arrived there as a winger. He arrived there as a winger. He won a premiership two and a half years later. He's now in the top five halfbacks we've ever seen. He's just he, I think he's won more premierships than any of the halfbacks on this list, which is incredible considering Sterlow. I think he won four. Um, the next guy, he won an absolute heap as well that we're going to talk about. So, Cooper Cronk, for me, he has to be in this top, top category of halfbacks. And for me, he always will be. He's another guy. I don't know if he gets immortal status, but he deserves it for me. Um, and people can throw out the... He's, he's, he's a system halfback, and that's fine. But I, I think what you don't realize is that Cooper Cronk is the system. Yeah, the Melbourne Storm. Uh, Cooper Cronk is just a system halfback in a really good system at Melbourne. Sweet. He leaves... Melbourne stopped winning premierships. You know which team starts winning premierships? The team that he goes to. They win two in a row. As soon as he leave, leaves the game and retires, the Melbourne Storm come back and win a premiership in 2020. So, system halfback, that's fine. Throw it out as much as you want. But he is the system. Yeah, the halfback is the system. I love it when, you know, when teams are going poorly. For example, when New South Wales lost game three this year, I mean, so many of you told me, oh, it's Mitch Moses' fault. You know, it's the halfback's fault. That's his job. But when teams win, give Cooper Cronk enough credit. I mean, I I just, I don't, I can't even fathom that line of thinking to be honest with you but Cooper Cronk he is in my top 5 my last one and this one was hard had a couple of guys that I tossed up that I considered uh, very difficult but I had to go for Ricky Stewart Um, and I think another guy that's pretty underrated in the history of rugby league I think that since going into coaching we get used to this yelling and screaming Ricky Stewart and we sort of forget Just how much of a good player he was for a very long time down there at the Canberra Raiders. Uh, Off the Dome, three or four premierships for the Raiders. Arguably the best, well, I'll say arguably, but I think it's definitely uh, the best long kicking game rugby league has ever seen. I think that if you put Ricky Stewart into the modern game, even over the last 10 or 15 years with these footballs and how they're essentially designed to move through the air, the football that Ricky Stewart was kicking around was just absolute bush week <clears throat> compared to what the players have now and the way that he was able to just bury you in a corner <clears throat> from 60 meters away was just unbelievable so Ricky Stewart long passing game as well obviously you know kind of like some of these other guys like Sturlow he had a great 5-8 next to him that was Laurie Daly a champion player uh, but I think Ricky Stewart's the most important guy on the field by a country mile to be honest with you and You know, that's also considering he also had another Immortal on the field in Mal Meninga. I think there's a fair argument that he had another one on the field in Bradley Clyde. He's probably the best 13 we've ever seen. So, Ricky Stewart, another guy that was in a really good system, a really good team. But the halfback plays a role in that. And you have a look. Similar to Cooper Cooper Cronk, 1993. Canberra Raiders, they are the red-hot favorites to win the premiership. Absolute red-hot favorites. All of a sudden, Ricky Stewart, he breaks his leg the last week before the finals. They go out in straight sets. I mean, this is a guy that won the Dalian Medal. Canberra Raiders were odds on to win that premiership. Ricky Stewart goes down, and it all falls to shit. And the Canberra Raiders in '93 completely gone. All of a sudden, they return in '94, win the premiership. Ricky Stewart kills it. Like, I still think people underrate him, and I think that if he had that '93 premiership, it's probably a slightly different story. I think we we remember Ricky Stewart uh, in a very different vein to what we do. Got to remember, he'd also won '89 and '90, so it would be the second time that he'd won two premierships in a row, which is pretty damn impressive. Ricky Stewart, um, as I said, I just think he is one of the more underrated players that we've ever seen. I think his kicking game, his his long kicking game, without a doubt, is the best that we've ever seen for me. And I really, you know, people will say Joey, and, and I can put Joey right up there with them, but I don't think I can put him on top of Ricky Stewart and what he did Uh, just an incredible footballer one of the best I've ever seen one of my favourites ever as well and I think we forget just how good he was as a player because we get so used to talking about him as a coach and it's sort of, it goes up and down a little bit. Champion player though, thank you to Jake Ahrens. Those are my top five halfbacks. I cannot put Nathan Cleary in there right now, but I definitely think over time he will be there in 10 years time when I do this again. I think he can jump in there. Not sure who he jumps in over. Maybe a Ricky Stewart. Yeah. Um, Probably Ricky Stewart, maybe Alf. I'd probably go him over Ricky Stewart, though. But I think he's on a path to something special. And I think that if you're still sort of denying that, uh, I think you're doing yourself a disservice, to be honest with you. Enjoy this while we've got it. It is a special thing that we're seeing unfold in front of us in the, in the career of Nathan Cleary. Really looking forward to him, watching him over the next 10 years or so, and fingers crossed he can get into this top five, especially for Panthers fans. If he finished in these top five halfbacks, in my opinion, it means the Penrith Panthers. They've been very, very successful.